What, what am I supposed to say? I've never listened to a podcast. You're listening to Big Wheel Coaching Podcast. You're, you're, you're listening to Big Wheel Coaching Podcast. Big podcast. Brian McCulloch here with Big Wheel Coaching. Hey, you're listening to Big Wheel Coaching Podcast. Hey there, everybody. I'm Brian McCulloch, and you just heard our awesome introduction, I guess, audio mixed and otherwise put together by the only, the one and only big dog himself, Fred Archambault, right? Yeah, that that intro is like super pro. What's up with that? It's like every week we're just getting a new notch in audio podcast production here at Big Wheel Headquarters. It's it's getting pretty sophisticated at Big Wheel headquarters. We have apps. We have uh, we we might even get some microphones and some sound mixers <laughs> soon. You never know. But uh, today, so Fred, and you know, because you are a French Canadian, did I did I pronounce your last name properly? You did. I think. Uh, well, not only did you pronounce it correctly, but I'm going to say you pronounce it close enough for tax purposes, and that's all that matters. And that's what I always tell everybody. You can butcher it. Same at the end of the year, or you know, come this time of year, I'm always paying the taxes on that last name. So I appreciate your effort on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. So for everyone at home, uh, Fred is one of our amazing Big Wheel Coaching athletes, and Fred and I have been working together for quite some time now. And and Fred just completed his first stage race, his road racing stage race. So you did a time trial road race and a criterion last weekend at the San Dimas stage race. And that was your first time doing a three day stage race, correct? Yeah. So talk about not knowing what you're getting into. Like it's just, this is obviously my first stage race. And I remember like seeing you on Saturday and I just looked at you. I'm like, Oh, so this is like real racing. <laughs> that, that was my, that was my answer to you. I'm like, Oh, okay. This is like real deal. Holy field. Like, Oh, they fine you for not signing in? Like, they just don't make fun of you for pinning on your member wrong? They actually, like, do something about this? So it was definitely, um, I didn't know what I was getting into and what I call, I think I, I've said this with you before, it's like the Forrest Gump effect. Like, oh, there's a stage race? Okay, cool, I'll sign up for it. And obviously we oh. had prepared for it, but nothing really prepares for you until you actually do it. And then you understand... I think the rhythm of the event and it's not just showing up at a crit and maybe doing two to three races, you know, it's, it's a different rhythm and a different set of parameters. Uh, These are like obvious. Everyone listening is like, yeah, uh, you know, of course, dummy. But, um, it was just super eye opening for me. And even though we had prepared, I, it still, uh, was, you know, going through it was still kind of an eye-opening experience and like learned so much in a short amount of time. I love that, that, that there's so much learning that took place there. And, and I was really thankful that I was there racing as well with Elevate KHS Pro Cycling. And then to be able to see you uh, at the races and be able to kind of debrief with you on a daily basis afterwards was really exciting. So you know, that if we were, if we look at San Dimas as kind of your pinnacle event, even though I know that wasn't what you were training for initially, it was an opportunity that came up. And, and like you said, Forrest Gump effect just said, Hey, let's, let, let's do this. Like take us through Fred 
you've come a long way to get to get here. If we if we can call the San Dimas stage race your your current pinnacle, and we know that the that you're going far beyond this, but where did you come from? Because it wasn't so long ago that racing as a whole was foreign to you, let alone now stage racing where you have to sign in and, you know, be <laughs> proficient in a time trial, be proficient in a road race, be pro- proficient in a criterion, right? Like there's, there's a lot of time that kind of transpired. There's a lot of events that transpired between then and now. Exactly. And so I would even want to rewind the clock a little bit further back. Right. And let's just, and, and, and I don't know if many of your athletes and people listening have the same, same story. I feel like a lot of us do and a lot of us don't. But for me, you know, being fit, being athletic really wasn't an equation in my life at all. Uh, in high school, yes, I played sports. I played, you know, varsity football and varsity hockey. But I was never like a track person. I never rode a bike really. And um, And then as I started my career in the music industry, it's so – encompassing. It demands so much of you, as a lot of careers do, that fitness and being active took a real big backseat. So it wasn't like until I'd say four or five years ago, my wife kind of pulled me aside and was like, like, this is it. Like we have to get a nutritionist. We need to lose weight. And um and it just kind of happened like that. And through that adventure or that journey, uh, we went on a cruise and she's like, Oh, let's, let's sign up for some yoga classes. That was filled up. She said, what about spin classes? I had no clue. I'm just trying to you know make my wife happy on vacation. I'm like, sure, sign us up. And in, in an odd you know aspect, like I really enjoyed that, that whatever high it gave me afterwards, I was like, Oh, this is really cool. And so came back home, did more spin classes, and then I finally bought a road bike, I think, two years ago or three years ago, Labor Day. I'd never bought, you know, I've never ridden a road bike. And um, so I really just kind of got hooked on the sport through through a spin class, and then you're just discovering the sport, like just kind of being obsessed with it. And I think um, it just led me down the road of like, wanting to get better you you obviously get fitter as you go through it and then there's this well what's this racing all about you hear about it and um i was really lucky to get introduced to you through a friend and we did a team time trial clinic and i remember one of the hotter days of the summer and so but i learned so much from there and that's i think kind of like lit the fuse for me for like racing and learning more about the sport at that level and obviously working with you and, and joy as a coach. So it was really that that's kind of my journey. And the, so now it's like a hundred pounds later, you know, and to me, that's like just such a huge journey. And, and it's so great because now like I go out and I see friends in the music industry who I haven't seen in a while and they have no clue who I am. They're like, Oh, we totally didn't recognize you. Um, which has kind of been a, a blessing in disguise. There's some, yeah, there's some people you just don't want to run into, but, um, <laughs> so that's, kind of, that's kind of been the impetus of, of my journey. And I, and I've, I remember like talking to different people, different athletes. And I remember being at crit camp, but I think a lot of people have a similar storyline to mine, to mine, you know, like you kind of go through life and, and being active and fit is sometimes just not a part of modern life, the modern American life, you know what I mean? Um, and it's a shame. And so it's so cool to now reassess your life in your forties and, and to make it such a big part of, 
um, what makes me happy and what, you know, fills my cup every day. That's incredible. Well, the, the optimal, or I say really, there's so much to unpack there, but for you, I, I mean, just what you said, a hundred pounds later, I, I, I mean, yeah. think about that. Like for, for those people who listening at home, they, they haven't maybe gotten a visual of, of, well, Hey, you know, what, what is, what is, you know, Fred's a bike racer. So maybe a bike racer to them looks like whatever that looks like in their mind. But if you think about what quote a hundred pounds later looks like, everybody knows what that is. Everybody can sense how much work that that would take and that how much dedication that would require. Right. And, and so for you, if we look at that, just that one component, that's really the driver for all of this is your desire to improve, your desire for self-improvement. And it's led you on a pretty, I would say, a pretty rapid journey as someone who has the privilege of getting to work with you and help you and guide you along that journey. To me, it's a very exciting place because you're seeing where something like, and we, we kind of talked about this before we got, got cracking on the podcast was like taking concepts that we learn in coaching, right. In this, this one crucible, which is your fitness and being able to extrapolate that into all areas of your life. And that's really what it is, Fred. You, you took that work ethic, like we talked about where you were just a young intern, you know, wanting to push gear around at, at shows in the, in the music industry. And you, you took that, that fervent, fervent work ethic, ethic where you were just getting after it. And you took that all the way into not just building your career, but then you took it in a different direction where you're like, Hey, I need to invest some of this energy in me. Boom. A hundred pounds later, now you're doing things that like you now have to express to other people, well, well, what is a stage race, right? Like, well, what is that like? Like, cause cycling is kind of an obscure sport and not, not everyone listening to this is going to fully understand what is a stage race. Like even people who, who mostly ride off road, they may not fully understand the intricacies of riding on the road and, and racing on the road. So it's a very unique and a niche thing. And, and you've come a long way in a very short period of time. Yeah. And I, and, and I do, I appreciate you saying that. And, and you're so right about stage racing. I remember texting my friend after I'd finished the stage race and I go, I just finished the San Dimas stage race. It's like literally the hardest thing I've ever done. And she wrote me back. She said, Oh, is that what you did today? And I was like, Oh no, you don't get it. Like <laughs> this is what I've been doing yeah. for three days. And yeah, um, yeah it, it is. It's so funny. Like just to piggyback off your point, like the journey of a hundred pounds later, right. Is not a physical one, but it's also like, it's a confidence one. It's not just about like getting in a skinnier pair of jeans as it were. It's like, you know, imagine the confidence and the knowledge and the understanding of what hard work means and dedication and, and, and staying steady to one thing. Um, that really ripples and echoes in all aspects of your life, you know, your marriage, your career, um, your other passions as well. So, um, you know, I, I, I love how you kind of connect the dots between that. And yeah, I think stage racing is a unique thing. And, uh, I don't know if everybody understands the the taxing demands it really has on it. And I think when people think of cycling, they do understand like Tour de France and that's, you know, the pinnacle of stage racing. But going through the last three days at San Dimas and, and, you know, for me, it was such a big event. 
maybe for others and, and people like yourself and others listening, you know, it's just one stop on the calendar for them. But it has given me such an appreciation for not only for people in my racing category, but the women racing, everybody and the pros of like, holy smokes. Now I have a, a slight appreciation of what they're putting their bodies through. And, you know, for you, you just came back from tour of Taiwan and it's just like, now I understand, you know, I'm beginning to understand like what incredible athletes these cyclists are and, and, and the, the kids that are wanting to become pros and the continental pros and then the world tour pros. You're just like, it is mind boggling after going through San Dimas of like, okay, wow, these, <laughs> these guys are no joke. You know, it's, it, it was really enlightening in that way. I wouldn't say these guys, right? Like you're, you're part of, you're, you're a part of the tribe, right? And that's the one thing that I think, Fred, that, that really resonates whenever we have conversations and we're talking about your coaching or we're talking about your training or, or even we're having more personal conversations about, you know, bigger picture items and things. But uh, the thing that resonates is that everyone, everyone is on this journey together. And that's, that's really been my, my love and my, and fueled my passion for coaching is because, uh, you know, like Greg Lamont famously said, you don't go faster or excuse me, you don't, you don't suffer less. You just go faster. Right. And, and to me, what that says is we're all on the same journey, right? Like, like to go rewind a little bit in, in our conversation, you, you were saying, you know, what it felt like to do all that hard work to quote unquote, the journey of a hundred pounds. But I, I'd say, less of what it felt like and more of the daily dedication and the, the culmination of many small things that make you successful. Okay. And, and that's where I think people can oftentimes misconstrue coaching in that we think it's like a couple of big things that we're working on, but, but that's where I think you've done so well is that you recognize it's a culmination of small daily things that allow you to be successful. It's never just kind of one big thing. And, and so like when we think about your coaching and your preparation for San Dimas, this wasn't your goal event, but all of a sudden the opportunity revealed itself because you've been so consistent and you've been doing regular workouts. You've been doing time trials on, on your road bike without, uh, you know, really any aerodynamic equipment. You've been doing the Eddie Merckx category at the, at the, uh, Pyru time trials. You've been going to criteriums and you've been doing Victorville road race and you've been doing, uh, you know, uh, circuit races and things like that. So it was just for us, you've done all of these small pieces, which in and of themselves have various many small steps. Right. And so we basically put it all together. Like all of these Legos came together to build this big like really killer event for you. Right. And I was so, I'm so proud of you for taking all those little concepts, building on them and taking all of it, putting it together and then going, Oh wow, there's even still more to learn yet. And, and being hungry for that learning. I think that's just fantastic. Yeah. And I think you're exactly right. And, and it's the little things, right? When I look at last weekend's performance and what our goals were, you know, and where there was success and where there was failure, you know, I think the headline there, it's in the little things. And this is what I mean by that is, you know, my goal was, let me do this 
and let me just make the time cuts. And I know they had changed the rules with the time cuts and they made it a little bit more lenient, but I still wanted to challenge myself to, if, if the traditional time cut of 10% was still, in, you know, enforced, I wanted to be able to do that. And so when you look at the time trial, the road race and the criterium, there's, there's all these little things. And it wasn't just about like go up there and smash the time trial. You know, that's not really going to do me any good. But what I want to go back to what made it a failure for me and what I'm learning the most about, it's the little things. It was about the time off the bike, how I managed my efforts off the bike that made a big difference. So when I came into Sunday, I just felt super smashed. And I'm going to assume and hope everybody who pinned a number on their jersey that weekend was feeling smashed coming into Sunday, right? That's a given. But... The thing that I underestimated was the commute back and forth, um, trying to juggle work and family obligations over the course of Friday and Saturday. And it's funny, the little things kind of creeped up and became, like you said, bigger dragons for me come Sunday morning. And it really impaired like, wow, like a criterion where it was kind of like, this is kind of my playground. I've done well at criteriums in the past, you know, um, it was kind of my day to shine and it became the hardest day ever for me. So, and I really bring that back to, you know, there's, this, that's why the saying is devil in the details, right? It's just, it is about the little things. If you don't take care of the little things, you can't do the big things. You can't do the epic things with epic people um, that we always want to do. So, uh, you know, to me, the most eye opening thing, and I love learning from failures uh, is, is manage the time off the bike. And I think I've heard you say that to other athletes of yours who've done bigger stage races. Like when, when Leo did Redlands, you know, I remember you telling him it's about fueling and, and really taking care of yourself off the bike, but man, that's no joke. Like you really want to respect uh, mother nature and the mother nature being the race and what <clears throat> it demands of you over three days or five days or whatever your stage race is going to be. There's a lot to unpack there, Fred, because you 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 touched on something that I think is really important. And I think the people at home and even some of the other racers and athletes, um, whether they race or not, that are listening, something that, that I, I want to make sure that people fully understand and appreciate is that when you go to a race, the goal is to get everything out of yourself that you have within you. On that day. So here's a very crude way to think about it, but, but we'll just go with it and we'll, we'll, we'll kind of unpack it together. But so the idea is, let's just say you normally consume, you're, you're, you're an athletic guy, you consume 3000 calories a day. Okay. So let's, let's just say, what are, what are calories? Calories are, are, are energy right? So that is energy in its purest sense. Okay. So you have basically 3000 units of energy to devote to today's race. Okay. And it's your task to then devote that and figure out how to pour as much of that energy into that activity as possible. Okay. So now you say, okay, well, I kind of get it, Brian, that makes, that makes sense. But then what about when we look at the three days of the San Dimas stage race as standalone events? A 20-minute time trial, you're like, well, man, that can't be that hard. It's only 20 minutes. 
right? And then you look at Saturday and you say, okay, well, it's a two and a half hour race on Saturday. And you go, okay, well, that's going to be really hard. You go, okay, well, that's, yeah, I get it. And then you look on Sunday and Sunday's like a 35 minute race. And you say, well, gosh, like that's really not that hard, right? That's three and a half hours of total race time over three days. Like that doesn't sound if you just unpack it like that, if I were to lay that out to any of the people you ride bikes with who've never done a stage race and I say, Hey, you're going to do three and a half hours of bike riding in three days. They would say, no problem. No problem. But you just indicated that, Hey, it was the commute. It was the hour each way, sometimes more because of traffic when you were doing that. It was the fact that you tried to juggle work and racing right? And commuting on Friday. And I know you had to work on Saturday as well, right? And you had family commitments, right? You had things going on with your lovely wife, Amy, like this, trying to fit all that in. It wasn't as if that was the only thing to do. So now all of a sudden a two and a half hour bike race seems pretty demanding. And so to get back to our concept of, of putting all of the energy into it, very few people can truly relate to what it means and what it feels like. Cause what's it, what matters is what it feels like to try and expend every bit of your day's energy in 20 minutes. Like, can you imagine, think through what that would mean if you had 3000 units of energy to spend and you were going to spend it all in 20 minutes, like how hard you would have to go. And very few people know what it's like to go that hard, let alone have trained to go that hard, to be able to get it all out, because it does take training for you to be able to get it all out. And that's what I think is really unique about cyclists is that they train to get it all out in that specified period of time. Okay. So maybe talk through that for us, Fred, like what it was like, because I, I know even when we talked about it, you're like, okay, 20 minutes time trial, like it can't be that bad, right? It's going to be hard, but it's not going to be that hard because you've done 30 minute and longer time trials uh, at py- training for Pyru. So like, this should be like, oh, that's two thirds of distance in time. Like it'd be fine. You know, no big deal. Two thirds the effort. Right. But it, it really wasn't, wasn't no, it? No, exactly. And so when, I, you know, and maybe it comes down to, I knew it'd be demanding. It could have been, maybe it came down to not respecting the waves if I were a surfer. Right. And they just come and swallow you up a little bit, but you're right. So the time trial and we had talked about it was, we knew kind of my threshold power and you said, you know, don't go harder than that. And even though it was 20 minutes and I was used to doing these super full gas, uh, efforts on, on, on the rolling Hills and the headwind of Piru, I really looked at it as like, Oh, 20 minutes at my threshold. I don't have to be first up there. Cause I'm not really going after a GC contention spot. I really want to save myself for Saturday. But the reality is, you know, you always want to do well too. So it's like, you know, I remember calling you that morning, like, oh, I'm going to do a sub 20 time, you know, which even that isn't like super amazing. Um, but it, for me, that was like, that's my goal I'm going to go for. And, uh, it still demanded, like, I remember after that day and cruising back down, I'm like, oh my gosh, that really, I'm feeling it in the legs. But then let's compound it going back to the team tent rolling out, hanging out with your friends, you know, shooting the breeze and then sitting around in the sun, waiting for all your other friends to do the time trial and then going down and reconning the course. That's a long day that I didn't really properly fuel for hydrate for. And so all those little things that happened after the time trial really reared their head slowly on Saturday morning. 
And then even more so on Sunday morning, you know what I mean? So, uh, and even though that we've trained for it, you know, with these three day training blocks, it's still full gas. And even the road race, it was full gas, you know, there really wasn't any let up for it. So it's really, um, now I know the demand of it all. <laughs> and now I know kind of how to manage those efforts better as it were. And I think, I think the, 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 also the main takeaway for me too, is like, you can tell me everything that I need to know. Right. And that's the beauty of, of working with you. It was like, you've been through it all. You, you know, all the tricks, you know, all the tips, but you can tell me like, oh, on this turn, you're going to want to be up front and, and take it and not be on your brakes. On the time trial, you're going to want to do this. On the crit, you're going to want to open up to turn four, whatever it is, right? You can tell me all those things and I can nod here and say, yes, yes, Brian, yes, yes. I understand what you're, you're, you're telling me, but it's another thing. And I'm a person I need to learn from experience, right? I just need to learn by doing. And so I think it's another thing of like, just going through it. And then like midway through the race or afterwards, I'm like, Oh, that's what Brian was talking about. And that's like, you know, you can sit here and tell me I can nod, but until the physical connection meets the cognitive connection, it really doesn't mean anything for me. So, um, yeah, but you know, I don't know if that really necessarily answers your questions, but I mean, that's kind of, um, you know, we can train and, and we can debrief or, 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 you know, kind of recon everything, but until you're actually in it and doing it, then you start for me, like putting the pieces together of like, Oh, now I understand what he means and why that's so important. Oh, that's awesome, man. Because that, that, that leads to the, the thing that I, that resonates there with me is the importance of feedback and then the recognition that most cyclists, not all, but most cyclists are heavily weighted to be kinesthetic learners. Okay. So something like very early when I got into coaching, I started thinking about like how people learn because I I was trying to like impart a message to people, to my athletes. I'm trying to help them get it. And I recognized like, wait a second, it's not about the message. It's about what's received. So if I'm not putting it in a package in which someone can receive and open that package, then it does no good. And so to that point, what I'm trying to say is a lot of people learn kinesthetically. What does that mean? That means that that there's a kind of like three types of learning, right? There's auditory. So it means I can tell you, Hey, two plus two equals four. So then you now know the equation or there's you know, that's auditory or there's visual, you know, you can see it presented on to you on a board, two plus two equals four, or there's kinesthetic, right? You have to learn by doing, right? And most cyclists are kinesthetic. So that's why, at least when I'm coaching, I always try to get people to go out and, and simulate the things that they need to do, the experiences, whether it be going as hard as necessary in a time trial, whether it be going through the process of training three consecutive hard days in a row, whether, whether it be going, you know, up a climb 15 times. So for example, when coach Leo was going to Redlands classic, there's one stage where they do one hill 20 times. And he thought I was kind of crazy for prescribing him 20 times up a hill, but it makes a lot of sense then because now you've experienced, you now know from experience what it feels like to do something 
20 times and the focus that it takes, the things that your body, the sensations you're going to have in your body, both muscularly, like possibly battling cramps or how thirsty you are or how hungry you might get or how it feels to ride that climb in the first three times and how it feels to ride it on the last three times because you're going to be sore in certain areas, your posture might be different, all these other things. And so there was a lot of that for you that we tried to cover going into the race, but some of it you just don't get until you do, right? And for you, you we, we talked about specifically there's one, there's one particular place um, on, the cor- on the race course on Saturday which is called Heckler Hill. And we were talking about, hey, I want you to enter that early so you could kind of be in control of the climb. I want you to enter that at the front of the group. And and you were definitely like, yeah, 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 I get it. And you even yeah. tried it, right? You tried it. So to maybe take us through how what you learned from that process, because like you said, you like to learn from, from failure and you had a lot of success with that, but then you also found a place where you're like, oh, okay, I need to get better at this. So maybe take yeah, us through Yeah, and that. I think... Um yeah, Heckler Hill is such a great and specific thing on this course. So everybody talks about Heckler Hill and I think it's, it has so much history in the sport of cycling as far as, you know, people being lined up and running aside and spraying water and just, you know, giving you a hard time over a very steep part of it. But the reality that I learned in it, like going into Heckler's Hill, there's a, there's a downhill segment and it's a great way. You have to stay in the yellow line, but there's a great way to move forward. Because it's downhill, use your momentum, either left side or right side, just kind of get in the first 10 bikes, right? Before the sharp U-turn where you can just sprint up the first little bit in your big ring and then make your gear shift if you need. And then Heckler Hill starts, right? But the reality is Heckler's Hill is very short and fast, but it doesn't end there. And I think... Even my couple times through it, actually, I know for the first time, my first time through it, I was like, oh, I got over Heckler Hill. Okay, I could recover. Well, the reality is, no, you can't recover because we're going downhill across this dam section. It goes downhill a little bit, but everybody's hammering and you have to keep hammering. And so my idea was like, oh, this is still Heckler's Hill. Even though I'm going downhill, this in my mind, I have to keep treating this as Heckler's Hill. And then what happens is this off camber right turn and I find myself in the big ring and boom, it's like, oh my gosh, here's my real kind of, you know, Achilles heel was right there. And, um, so that's where it was like, now I understand what Brian was talking about. If I was up front, guess what? I don't have to be hitting the brakes on this right-hand turn, you know, and uh, you, you could have seen the gradient and the turn and made the gear shift or, or whatever it was. So, um, but it took me a couple of laps to kind of realize like, wow, being at the tip of the spear is worth fighting for at moments where you could and making those efforts and not thinking of the efforts as Heckler Hill is going to be your big effort. No, maybe my big effort was before Heckler's Hill and that downhill to really bust my butt to go on the outside and grab a teammate's wheel or be the 10th wheel heading into the U-turn. So it's really about like understanding, I call it um, where my race is, right? I remember my first race wasn't even a year ago. It was a CBR and I got caught behind a crash and uh, I didn't realize that even though I wasn't involved in the crash, I kind of got delayed, had to clip out. And then the rest of the group, attacked and I got, you know, disconnected. 
what I failed to realize was that was my race right there. And those three seconds was my race was sprinting to get back into the group. Right. And so that's what I realized in the road courses. Oh, my race is going to be kind of one or loss for me at this downhill section before Heckler's Hill. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so, and that is a great, for me, that's a great example of you telling me about Heckler's Hill. We reconned it a little bit with our team, but it's not until you kind of go through it with, with the people that you're racing against and understanding like, okay, this is why I need to be up front and, and, and make those efforts to make the quote unquote big Heckler Hill efforts easier. Absolutely, dude. And, and one thing you're saying there, that, that concept that you brought up, which is knowing the critical moment of the race, there could be many critical moments and some of those critical moments could play into your strengths, but some of those critical moments are very likely to play into maybe what is not your strength or your weakness, right? That is when things are the most scary because what happens as a cyclist is you have to relinquish control, i.e. that you're, you're going to play in this peloton of people and it's only a portion of the time that you get to be in control of your effort. If the group goes hard and you want to go easy, you've already made a choice to be a part of this group. Therefore, you have to go hard. That's just the way it goes, okay? And you know this, and the people listening know that too. They felt it, whether they've done group rides or rides with their friends or, or raced some or anything like that. They, they feel that. But the thing that's interesting to me is it, you. what we're trying to do with you, Fred, and what we try to do, at least with my athletes, and I know Joy with hers and Brady and, and Leo with the, the folks that they're coaching, you know, we're trying to identify the critical moments in these events for our athletes. And more than that, we're trying to arm them with not just the physical attributes to be able to succeed, but the mental toughness necessary to persevere. Because if, if I were to, to, to put that out there and say, okay, hey, the, the Heckler Hill climb is going to be very, very challenging. And you were to say, okay, well, yes, that's going to be very, very difficult. I'll just start it at the front. Okay, cool. Seems very basic, right? But it's actually more than that because the effort continues for another minute and a half across the dam. And then it continues for another three minutes after that going across, going towards the finish line. And if the group is very, very motivated, that can that one-minute climb or two-minute climb can turn into a five-minute effort. Well, that's a very different physical output. So if you don't have the mental toughness necessary to go, hey, this is my race now and understand the importance of holding the wheel and being in a good position, you will not finish and achieve your potential, right? And so something I'm really proud of you for is you recognize in that moment, you go, no matter what, I have to rise to the occasion right now. And you spin it into a positive to make it something to where you can be successful. So we are framing things in such a way that it can be very positive for you so that you can, can, you can continue to be successful. And that, my friend, that's that journey of 100 pounds. That's the journey of 100 pounds in a nutshell right there. It's like you framing things and understanding when critical moments are here, like, you know, hey, I need to make the choice that I have to work out today. Hey, I need to make the choice that I have to go to bed early today. I can't go out on late Friday night and have too many beers with my friends, right? Like I've got to get up early and go on a workout tomorrow so I'm going to bed tonight, right? Whatever that is. And so for you, 
it's not just that the race is a buildup of, of, of many small things. It's like, that's what life is. Right. And so you are now able to extrapolate that and then go, okay, Hey, I, this one moment, or maybe this next five minutes, we could say demands all of my focus. Right. And that kind of goes back to, what we talked about er earlier with energy expenditure. This next 20 minutes demands all of my focus and nothing else matters. And for me as an athlete, that's something I've really tried to hone. So when we go on even epic races, like when I do the Belgian waffle ride, which is like, you know, 135 miles, I just focus on that all day. I don't let my mind wander. Right. And so if something I can say that I think you do really well, Fred, is you're very good at focus. So not just is it about physical output for you. It's not just about mental toughness. It's about maintaining focus so that you can perform. And that to me is really exciting to see you making those steps because that opens up a whole new, many, many doors are in front of you that have not opened yet that will open just because you have those things. And because those things are in your nature, you will be so successful. And that to me is the most exciting thing as your coach is seeing is helping you get into that scenario so that all those doors can open to you because it's a big, beautiful world of cycling out there. And I just want you to have all the access to what you want, right? If you want to go into more stage racing, dude, let's do it. If you want to go into more crit racing, it's fantastic. Let's do it, right? If you want to switch gears and go into endurance mountain bike, guess what? We're going to find ways to get those doors to open for you too. So to me, it's not just a physical journey. It's that mental that mental journey and having that focus, having that perseverance, having the, the tenacity to push beyond. And, and man, you're so good at getting after it, buddy. You are so good at that. Yeah, and I think, you know, the other thing that we've talked about, and I know you, you talk about, and, and Leo has talked about a lot too, is the ability to make crucial decisions and recognize crucial decisions under super stressed out conditions, right? So, for instance, in any race you're going to be, there's going to be a time, if not the whole race or a time in the race where you're just pinned red, right? Your, your heart rate, your power, like everything, like all your gauges are in the red. And to be able to make decisions as if you were relaxed on the couch, that's a really uh, powerful uh, skill to have, not only in racing your bike, but I say in life as well. And that, and that's where like, those moments of like putting in the training, right? And so understanding like, you know, we've been working a lot with my five minute power or maybe my 20 minute power. And there, and there are times where it's like, it builds my confidence in knowing that throughout Heckler Hill, across the dam and up the right turn down to start finish, even though I'm not looking down at my, my bike computer to look like, oh, this is going to be a five minute effort. But I know like, I've got this, I've done this in training. I know exactly what this is, Right. So to have the confidence in, in training, and that just means being consistent and, 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 you know, putting those little things aside, like you just mentioned. But then the other thing is, is to be able to make like clear headed decisions under not clear headed situations. And I think we go through that every day in our life, like even like just stuck in traffic, right? And some dude cuts you off and you're, you just like, you get livid and you're like, wait a minute, why am I getting angry? You know, like your, your emotions get pinned in the red and you start making bad decisions, right? So, and the same thing in, in, in business, especially in not probably many people's careers and, and in my career and my day, like 
decisions have to be made really fast, right? And sometimes you don't make the right decision. But, um, you know, the type of training and the type of stress and the type of things that you ask and you ask of yourself in a race really help kind of echo out in your life about like, what's important right now? I got to get this deadline done. You identify what's important. You identify what is your race, right, of the day or in your work, in your career, and you you close that gap. And then you move on to the next thing. So, it you know, just kind of to relate of what that means to me in my life, you know, because at the end of the day, I, I do love bike racing, but obviously I'm not, uh, you know, going to be plastered in the ads of any paper or magazine. So, you know, what does it mean to me outside of it? And, and that's the one thing that I think um, that you've helped out is is how to make level-headed decisions under not uh, level-headed, you know, situations. Hey man, if I had a magazine, for sure you'd be an ad. That's what I'm saying. I would for sure have a, 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 an ad with you, and then maybe on the other page would be the unicorn John Hatchet, right? Like you guys, I laugh because obviously I coach both you guys, and and you always talk about the unicorn, and he is because uh, obviously he lives out by you. So I always find that funny that. Uh, yeah, it's like oh, that's a unicorn sighting. So you guys would both be if I had a magazine. You guys would both be in my uh, in the ads for sure. So that's great, man. Well, yeah, I think that those um, understanding those critical moments and being able to make key decisions. I always think of it very simply. Like I used to make to do lists a lot when I was growing up, and uh, and and even all through my years in business and uh, in the in the highway construction business and as a coach, I just make a to do list and. Over the last couple of years, I've really been fascinated with a number of things, um, combat leadership and, and other, you know, things that develop how you make decisions under stressful situations. And one of the things that kind of came up was this idea of like win the day and this notion of how do you win the day? Well, if you could boil things down to what are the three things that I'm going to do or maybe even the one thing that I have to do today to be like I won the day, right? And so I just started applying that to my own racing. And I try to apply that for you and, and the other, other folks that I coach into their training and trying to indoctrinate them into that. So they can go, okay, Hey, how can I win in this scenario? What does a win look like? Well, sometimes a win is just holding the wheel, right? That's winning, right? Sometimes hold, sometimes winning is getting to the front at a critical moment or before a critical moment, right? Sometimes winning is putting yourself in position for the final sprint and then just seeing what you have left in the tank. Maybe you still get seventh, but at least you came out of the last turn first, right? When in doubt, lead it out. So I, I'm really proud that you're ga- you're getting so much out of all those things. And I'm really thankful that, that we can talk about those concepts abstractly and then specifically, specifically. So I think something that we have to do as athletes is we have to be able to have a 10,000 foot view. And then we have to zoom in because you're in a very intense situation and you're very, very focused, very, very focused. But then you have to be able to have the wherewithal to zoom out and go, okay, wait a second. I'm totally suffering right now. My heart rate's 180 and I have pain in all sorts of areas of my body, but I have to move up right now. Cause if I don't move up right now, I might not finish this race. Yeah. Right. And so for some people, they're not going to understand that. Right. But for you to be able to constantly zoom in, 
zoom out, zoom in, because the zoom in is actually not the hardest thing to do, right? The zoom in naturally happens when you become overwhelmed by physical exertion. You're very zoomed in. You're very aware of what your breathing is doing. You're very aware of the pain in all sorts of places of your body. What you're not able to do is zoom out. And I think for you, that's what we're trying to teach. And we're trying to teach all those, all the people here at Big Will Coaching. We're trying to teach them to have the ability, the capacity to be zoomed in and be aware of all the things going on in your body so that you can manage all of those things. Think of them as like warning lights on your car dashboard, right? Like you're like checking everything. You're like, okay, the heart rate's okay. The power's okay. The breathing's okay. The position is okay. The hand relaxed my hands. I'm not carrying tension in my face. There's a lot of things going on that you just need to be mindful of. But then you have to have the ability to zoom out and think from a strategic and from a tactical position. And this is not just road cycling, mind you. This is I have guys doing this um, on their mountain bikes and it's uber, uber critical in mountain bike. Right. So, so there's a lot of stuff like that, that these concepts transcend just the singular event of road cycling or stage racing or crit racing or et cetera. And they, they transcend into mountain bike. They transcend into so many other things in our lives. So this, the true skill is not zooming in my friend. The true skill is zooming out. And I love that you're using cycling to help you master that. Like it just makes me yeah, so proud. And I think the flip side of the coin that I wanted to share with you and, and whoever is listening is the flip side of that coin is like, let's come to Sunday for me. And this criterion was, you know, the, the fatigue and everything, it almost like I, I felt ill and we had talked about this and we had, you know, kind of changed my warm up plan for that day. But, you know, the, the flip side of that coin was I was in this criterium and like physically my, my perceived exertion, which we talk about a lot, was like at a, at an 11, right? And I remember looking down really quick at my power. I'm like, well, this is like 250 watts. Like what? what's going on here? Like, this is not right, you know? So even though the engine light on my car wasn't on, I felt like I was coming off the wheels. And so that was a way, you know, to zoom out or zoom in in a different light of like, whoa, something is wrong with me. You know what I mean? And now what becomes my plan? Do I, you know, yo-yo here on the back or do I just you know, 20 minutes, go over to Chris Black and say, Hey dude, I'm toast. And you know, to be safe, I'm pulling myself out, you know, but that's the other thing too, that I learned over the weekend was like, to, to look at like, Hey, I shouldn't be taxed as, as I am. Like the data doesn't make sense right now. Like uh, this is data that I've, 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 you know, excelled at and, and to feel the way I feel right now, you know, I think, having the mental toughness to keep going probably would have put me in danger. Um, and then of course the next lap, there was a, there was a big crash. And so, so at the end of the day, it all kind of worked out, you know, I, I, I got placed in the GC, they finished it. Uh, and I stayed safe to, to continue to train and to continue to race again, you know, so that's the flip side of, of, you know, kind of knowing your limits too. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and we still took that as a victory, right? Like you didn't come away with that feeling like, oh man, that was, that was a failure. That was like, oh, okay. You ran it up against the limits. You knew when to, to say, Hey guys, I've, I've had enough and, and okay. You know, nobody ever wants the, the party to end like that, you know, but it's like, uh, it just happens sometimes, right? But it's better that you, you 
you make that decision and pull the plug rather than the other way around and, uh, and, and with, you know, some road rash or a broken bike or, or even worse. Right. So for you, I'm very thankful. Like, look, we live to, you know, ride another day. And that's really important because again, this is a, this is a whole bunch of small things and you've just done such a big work and now we can take that and move on and keep going for the rest of your season. Yeah. Like everything kind of made sense in the moment, right? Like all the things that you enjoy talk about with like when we did four days of fitness of how to control your efforts off the bike. And then what I was learning over the course of Friday and Saturday and Sunday about, oh my gosh, I didn't manage my efforts off the bike. Um, all the, the tips and tricks that you gave me about racing specifically in this criterium about staying at the point of the spear and not being on the back. Cause if you're on the back, you're going to be hitting your brake. You're going to be sprinting out of every turn and there's six or seven turns. So you're sprinting six and seven times, you know, you're just getting gigawatt out of the race. And so all that mixed in, like helped me make a clear headed decision when I wasn't clear headed. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm at the back and the death spiral sprinting out of every lap. I've realized I'm not managing my efforts and I'm realizing that I'm not at the point of the spear that's going to keep me in contention and keep me safe and also just keep my other riders and racers safe. Right. So it it really all like, even though it wasn't the outcome and and everybody will say that it's never the outcome they want. Right. But it was the accumulation of all the racing and coaching and, and everything that you guys have taught me. I was like, boom, I know exactly where I am right now. And what decision to make, right? So I was actually just stoked on myself for for being able to put all these puzzles, pieces of the puzzle together really quick and say, okay, this isn't right. Like this is not how I normally am. And and to you know, kind of like yo-yoing off the back is not going to be the way that <laughs> this is going to end for me. <laughs> so yeah. right, right. So, so what's, what's, where's it from here? What goals do you have ahead? What does the season look like, Fred? Uh, I know this kind of opened your eyes to some new experiences. So what do you, uh, does this change some of the goals you have set for the season or does this, uh, reinforce some of them that you currently have? What are you thinking? What, what, lies, think what ahead? lies ahead for me? Like, as, as you well know, like coming out of December 9th and kind of like crashing and, and breaking some bones and kind of getting back into shape has been been a, a long journey. So these type of races have helped me develop more cards in the toolbox, right? More tools in the toolbox that I can use. And so it really encourages me to continue to explore the race calendar and to learn the race calendar. And, and my goals now, like I remember when we, we had spoke at the beginning of the season, like I had specific goals, like I want, by the end of the season, I want to be a cat three. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to get after the green jersey in this race series. And I had all these wild goals. And I'm sure all your athletes have wild goals and, and we all should, right? But now I'm kind of recalibrating and reassessing. And I'm like, I've noticed that I really want to get my confidence back in fast, close riding, right? And criterium type racing. I want to get my fitness and speed up in these longer road races that have more climbing, right? So I'm looking at San Luis Rey road race. I'm looking at that. So continue to do some more circuit races. Um, kind of do stuff that's outside of my wheelhouse. Like people that look at me like, oh, you're not a road racer. You're just a criterium racer. You're not built like a road racer. And, and, and to that, I say, cool. I'm glad I'm not because I love when people say that 
I'm not something because it just you know fuels your challenge, right? So that's what I'm looking at is really learning the calendar, learning the races. I'm in no rush to now get into cat three. Um, <laughs> embrace my cat four status as it were. <laughs> and, uh, but, yeah. but also get, get the confidence back because I think swagger is so important in so many sport and, and in life too, right? If you don't really have that confidence, there's obviously cockiness too. You don't want to pin the needle to the other side of that equation, but I want to have that confidence back and the swagger back that I had before December 9th. And, um, and I also want to, it's also like shined a light on all the training rides I do with you and, 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 and through the training of like some real basic bike handling stuff that I just need to work on. Right. Like, so for me, like everybody works on the same stuff, right? Oh, I'm not a sprinter. I'm going to work on sprinting. I, I'm not a climber. I got to work on climbing. Like for me, it's like, Oh, you know what I kind of really suck at is this like descending and not just straight descending, like cornering descending. Like I have no confidence in that. So like those are the, the things that I'm so looking forward to. Like it's really shined a light on some, some, uh, because I came to the sport so late, some basic building blocks that I totally missed and that are glaring their head right now that are impeding me from having that confidence I want. So I'm really looking forward to finishing out the season um, we have the CBR next weekend. We have our local race at Chuck Pontius race. And there's so many, there's a handful of other, uh, road races coming up too. So, it, you know, to me, it's about discovery this season, about learning the courses and learning those type of heckler hill tricks that we were talking about in all the different races. And, um, and then, you know, and that just kind of keeps you fueled for a great 2020 and, um, and whatever those goals are going to be for me. I love it, man. I love it. That's so exciting to hear because that confidence is just going to propel you to get the most out of yourself in every situation. And if you can just get the most out of yourself, what more can you ask? Right. We, we, we teach, I mean, we have whole schools of thought where that's all we're trying to teach our kids is just to get the most out of themselves, just to give their best. Right. And as long as we give their best, that's good enough. Right. And I, and I think that's fantastic. Well, and, right? and so, I'll even so say more for you to be bringing that to, to your, to your race. Yeah. And I'll even say more, like you said, like, can we ask any more? Like, yeah, actually you can ask something more. And, and the thing that, um, that I try to do and, and that I think kind of shown on Saturday is like, I want to encourage others. Right. So like Saturday we get disconnected yes. and then now we have 20 riders kind of forming a chase group or a groupetto. And it's like, it's like, dude, I see you out there struggling. And, then, and these are all guys that I've raced against, right? And, and they're great, strong guys. It's like, hey, Irv, like, get it together, man. We need you. Like, hop on the back of this. And there was another fellow athlete, a big wheel, Arthid, Artie. I was like, Artie, come on, let's go. Like, you know, so, yeah. It, and that's the other part is, like, encourage others, like, knowing, like, hey, you got this. I do, I got this. We can kind of battle through this together, you know. And I think that's – uh and through going through the season and learning um, the different courses and what's asked of us on the courses, um, I, I get stoked if I can light a fuse in someone else, you know, who is like head down and just wants to give up. Right. And uh, I don't know. I just get stoked out when it's like, you know, just like kind of push them back into the Peloton or, or, the, or the chase group. And it's like, come on, dude, <laughs> let's go. Because I know what it means when other people have done that to me. It's like, OK, cool. Like someone believes in me out there. That's pretty powerful. Hey, and I, 
I believe in you, Fred, and I love it that you're paying it forward and believing in others because it's just that simple, that simple notion of belief, belief in yourself, but then others believing in you is like, man, that's so powerful. That's so powerful. Be it a coach, be it your significant other, be it your friends, be it a mentor, be it anybody, right? Like somebody you have respect for. And, uh, I, Fred, I am so proud of you. I am so excited that you've learned all these lessons in there for all of, all of that, 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 uh, is ahead of you because there is so much wonderful stuff ahead of you this season. And as you indicated in the following and, and seasons beyond. So this is, this is great stuff. Awesome. Well, okay, Fred. So something that we're trying to do here with this podcast, and we've been talking a while is, uh, is have a, has some closing gratitude because there's so much to be thankful for in our lives. And, and, uh, I just think it's a nice way to, to either to start the day and a night way, nice way to close the days to think of all the things that, that we have good for us, uh, going on in our lives. And, and, uh, so I'm going to start here and I want you to close it out for me, but, uh, one thing I am very, very thankful for is our relationship and the things that you have taught me as we've been working together as coach and athlete and both and as friends as well. So thank you very much for, for showing me that, that there is more in the tank and that, uh, that, that always being a continuous student of the game. So you've, you've taught me that and I'm very thankful for that. So, uh, what, is there anything or anybody that you uh, are particularly thankful for? You know, I, I think it's so like, there's so many things I'm, I'm, I'm grateful and thankful for. I think the most obvious thing, you know, I'd be, uh, I couldn't sleep well at night if I didn't say it is just to have such a patient wife and such a great teammate and, <laughs> and Amy, you know, uh, for her to, uh, allow me to, um, pursue my, my interests and my loves, you know, outside of, of our marriage and life. It's, it's been, uh, to have that patient kind of spouse is um I think I wake up and I'm like, oh I'm so lucky to have her and she's uh you know, she's like, yeah, go out and go out and race, go out and train, you know, and and uh and she always I always, you know, kiss her goodbye in the morning. <laughs> she's just like so snuggled up. She always says the same thing. She says, be safe out there. And uh and I remember one day I stopped her. I said, how come you never say like go crush it? Go go kill go just crush someone else's dreams today. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I'm so grateful for her because she definitely keeps me grounded and, and, you know, she's always like, be safe out there. But hopefully one day she'll, she'll kiss me in the morning to say, go out there and get it. Give it hell. Don't come back unless you're absolutely wrecked. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, but you I, would just love that, right? Like, yeah, I would. Oh, like, no oh, problem. Okay. I'll march through that brick wall. You bet, honey, anything for you. Amy. Yeah. I would love for her to like send me off in the morning with like, if you don't come back with that $50 preem, find a new house. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the best closing gratuity we could ever ask for right there. Just like <laughs> hoping for a kiss goodbye and, 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 and marching orders. If you don't come home with like some form of victory, right? Like, yeah, exactly. like that would be, uh, that's all we want from our partners, right? It's just like, unconditional support and a little kick in the ass to be like, Hey, stay fired up and stay hungry. Exactly. Yeah. But thanks for having me on, on this podcast and, um, such a fan. So this is awesome. Oh man. Well, you are too kind, Fred. I, I just am so thankful for you and, and Amy too. She's just a lovely, lovely woman. So 
we are thankful. We're excited. We'll be racing with you guys this weekend up at the Chuck Pontius Criterium in Santa Clarita. So that'll be a ton of fun. And uh, we'll be with the CBS Cycling Crew. I know your uh, your your club puts on that race, so we're really excited to be there and uh, and join you. And I think uh, you and I might do a little bit of race announcing. Is that that rumor on the street? <laughs> that's the that's what my agent has scheduled me for. I don't. Do you have an agent now? I do. I I don't have an agent. <laughs> no. That might sound as a, that might come as a surprise to you, but no, sir. I do not have any. No, I am no, actually. I might no. be looking forward to our guest announcing more than racing. I don't know. It was a <laughs> long time last year. It really was. So. That was a good time. Well, good. Well, Fred, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for being a part of the Big Wheel Coaching family. Thank you for taking the time to be here. I know we we go we went a lot longer than we normally do on these podcasts, but you just have so much good stuff to say, and you have you your experience, and like you said, your hundred pound journey is has been has taken you so far, and I hope that people will listen to this and and stay inspired on their journey, uh, whether it's 100 pounds, 100 miles, 10 minutes, whatever it is, I just hope that they'll stay inspired and, and can look at you and go, hey, you know, Fred's, Fred's like me. He's getting up in the morning, hoping for some encouragement and looking to get after it, and they're going to do their best. So, you know, that's, I think, so much of, of what we're doing here is can be boiled down to that. So I'm just really proud of you. Thank you for being involved. Thanks for being a part of the family and know that I love you, brother. And uh, I'm really, really proud of you. Awesome. Thanks, man. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you very soon. And thank you to everyone who listened to Big Wheel Coaching. And uh, we will catch you all very soon. Take care.